everyone, and welcome to Cosmos with Cosmos. As always, I'm Mike. I'm Liz. And Brandon is in Melbourne, Australia. Mike. But not anymore if you're listening to this in the future. He hopefully is going to be in Salt He'll Lake when you're listening to this. <laughs> um, today, we're going to be talking about measuring the universe. What? Yeah, because, you know, we've talked about... Oh, by the way, this is our 88th episode. Hey! Not counting shots. And there have been 31 shots. Great, crazy 88. Yeah, so now I'm looking forward to episode 100. Uh, happen later this year, maybe. But anyway, um, so we've talked about over these 87 previous episodes, mm-hmm. uh, including the shots, about all these you know amazing things out in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I thought a couple weeks ago, or last week, it might be kind of fun to talk about just how we actually measure these things. Yeah, because it's big distances, and we don't have tape measures that no. are long enough to no. get anywhere. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. And so that's what we're going to be talking about um, today. And so... Um, it's a terrible outline. I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, it got to a point where I, I'm like, I'm just not working on it anymore. I'm going to go enjoy my Sunday. Um, but anyway, what you drinking? Oh, uh, I am drinking the Paloma Effect because <laughs> it is officially a Paloma season. It is officially. You got your You got your first, uh, you got your first Paloma. Yesterday. Was it yesterday? No. Two days ago. Friday. 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 Yes. Friday. And it's basically, uh, it is orange-infused uh, tequila, mm-hmm. grapefruit juice, simple syrup or sugar or something, and Sprite. Yeah, all right. All right. It is <laughs> with lime juice. With lime juice. Yes. I had to think about for a second. Yeah. There's lime juice, uh-huh. lime juice, sugar, um, to knock down some of that tartness, grapefruit juice, and mm-hmm. you, you, you're supposed to um, infuse just regular tequila with oranges. But we infused orange infused. Yeah, we got orange, orange tequila, so it probably tequila. has it's double orange. It probably has a nice little orange. Uh-huh. orange I can actually use a little bit more grapefruit, actually. Okay, because okay. I do it's like the grapefruit. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the sprite is supposed to sit on top, but I don't think I've seen anybody actually drink it that way. So well, we like to mix it in. It it has it it, it does when when you do pour the the sprite on top, just enjoy the gradient yes, for a it moment. Yeah, a nice ombre. Yeah, it goes from this uh, from this beautiful kind of pinkish to a real kind of clear with a hint of pink on mm-hmm. it, and so it's really kind mm-hmm. kind of nice. Well, what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, what I am calling the uh, Zayman effect. And oh, <laughs> you thought I was kidding. <laughs> It's in the notes. I didn't. I didn't. I, oh, oh! Did I say the Zayman effect? It's actually. It's, I just. I left the effect off. It's the Zayman. Oh, Zayman. Okay. okay. Uh, but uh, basically, this is. Um, what is this? This is peach vodka with bourbon with simple syrup, and um, you're supposed to add lemonade. But I was like. I'm going to do strawberry lemonade for this one. And it's Ooh, not bad. Ooh, I like the strawberry bourbon and the vodka. I got to taste this. Yeah, and it's, um, and this is actually supposed to be the stronger drink because I added. It actually has a nice gradient at the bottom. I, I can't really see it on camera, but it goes from like, uh, it just goes to like clear at the bottom, which is kind of an interesting. Yeah. Anyway. And so it's supposed to be more of a pink, uh, peach color, but I have yet to find a lemonade that will give me that, that peach color. Maybe a yellow lemonade. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, let's see. Jack has pistachio and mint cocoa on a windy day. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, and in honor of the last Picard, of course, Mom has Earl Grey tea. Hot. Yes. But is this the last time she's going to have it? That, well, that, no, that's her traditional no, podcast. That's her, yeah, she's. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, I've never had Earl Grey. You're not really a big hot tea I'm person. I'm not a, I'm not a hot tea, drinker. tea person. I, because I'm Southern, originally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> originally. Now I'm Pacific Northwest and loving it. <laughs> all right, so uh, follow us on all the things. Um, Twitter. Uh, drinking uh, drinking Cosmos on Twitter. Um, Cosmos, Cosmos and everything else, like Instagram and everything like that. Uh, follow us and rate us on all the things. Um, uh, iTunes and to Spotify, please Follow us, definitely follow us on, on Spotify and tell your friends to follow us on Spotify. Apparently, whether they listen to it or not, it doesn't matter. It's all about followers. Um, yeah, that is the culture nowadays. It's all about followers. It's all about the followers. <laughs> whether or not you listen, is meaningless. All right, so, and also don't forget to join us um, in the hangover. Um, last week was very political. Who knows what's going to happen this week? So, I'm trying to tone down the politics, but it probably won't happen. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, um, we also have uh, a lot of people that uh, you should uh, check out as well. Wild Ixia on Etsy, or Wild I-X-I-A. That is Katie. She's got some amazing art that is um, there for uh, for you to enjoy, and more importantly, to buy uh, from her. You can check out Ron Proctor at Mr. Uh, Proctor Show. He does a lot of great stuff with... Um, you know, talking about, well, he talks about politics as well, um, but also, you know, education from formal education to informal education. Uh, speaking of informal education and planetariums, um, check out Jack at rollingbluffsplanetarium.com. So if you are in the Council Bluffs, Iowa area, um, definitely go check, uh, check Jack out and um, let him show you um, the wonders of the universe um, in his dome. And if you're not in the Council Bluffs, uh, Iowa area, uh, well, go there for one thing, but also support your local planetarium and, and visit uh, them. Um, they definitely need the money, and they are some of the most passionate people that you'll ever meet. And also M42 Creative. <laughs> i got nothing else to say about them. So <laughs> that's us. So that's, that's why. I don't know why I just... Didn't think until the 88th episode to say M42 Creative. Well, these people don't usually promote themselves. No, but I am. All right, so... <laughs> Other than the whole beginning where we're like, follow us. Yeah. Um, also, definitely check out the shot. Um, we, we have some till June, right? You know what you said? So we need to make some more. Um, sure. They come out every other Wednesday. Mm-hmm. There's one coming out this Wednesday. Hold on, let me check a handy-dandy calendar on my handy dandy technological device that's more powerful than uh, uh people landing on the moon the first time we have a shot episode coming out what day is today we have a shot coming up episode coming out on wednesday May hey. 3rd. so if you're listening to this on uh, the podcast when it comes out then it already came out so check it out yeah um when that's really the shot is where we take little small mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. bite subs um Drink size shot morsels well, of shots of science, shots of, shots of science and and history and astronomy and all that kind of great stuff. And of course, as always, um, 
if we uh, we have some rules, some rules that we all must follow, otherwise society breaks down. Well, too late for that. <laughs> if a puppy barks, who knows if they will or not? Um, they yeah. appear to be downstairs or something. Uh, but anyway, if they bark, then go ahead and take a drink. Um, if there's a Star Wars reference or a Lord of the Rings reference, always please take a drink. Um, what it, with whatever you got. Yeah, you don't have to be drinking alcohol, which obviously most people you don't know, on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you don't. You don't have to be <laughs> functional alcoholics like us. All right, so let's go ahead and let's dive into this. Let's get started. Yeah, measuring space. We we know how far away stuff is in space, which seems impossible because things are so far away in space. Everything yeah. is far away. Even but, even just measuring how big the Earth is seems like a daunting task, and the Greeks did it. Yeah, and that was just bunt two sticks in the ground. Yeah. And they were actually pretty accurate with it too. Um and and they actually figured out the earth was round, which they knew beforehand and not flat like some of these crazy Yeah, ass no people. one ever thought that Earth was flat. Okay, everyone. Otherwise they wouldn't have gone sailing out too far. They wouldn't have yeah. Anyway. So this is this is what I was thinking with this was also yes, measuring how far things are. Mm-hmm. Um but also uh, talking about how we actually measure what something's made out of. Oh, you know that type that of thing. That is a measurement, isn't it? It is a measurement. Yeah. yeah. But first, we must understand what we receive from these objects, because mm-hmm. the only thing we receive is light. That's all we receive. That's it. That's light it. is data. Light is all. Light is information. Yeah, and so, and in fact, it actually has a lot of information in it, mm-hmm. but. Um, when we look out into the universe, that's all we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, when you know you don't have to go out um, to to the universe. Um, for me, experiencing this room that I am to this podcast is all. I'm I'm receiving light information from everything that tells me that um, I have a monitor in front of of me mm-hmm. that has these little strange little symbols on it that we call letters and words. Um, oh, is that what those are? Yeah, and across, um, and across the the room from me, there's a picture of uh, where Liz and her family used to live, and all of that. And so I am experiencing everything through photons, and I am quote unquote touching your hand right now. The reality is, is that I'm not actually touching you. So really, when you know kids are do that, I'm not touching you. Can't get they can just actually just be touching and be they like, can be I'm touching, not touching, touching you. I'm not. <laughs> but we perceive the touch, so therefore it's touching. So don't touch anyone without their consent. Yes, I know, I know right? Don't fa- touch anyone. <laughs> so we experience the universe through photons, um, and when we when we touch things, mm-hmm. it's virtual photons that we that we are. It's virtual photons. Well, they're, they're force carrying photons that we are experiencing. The force carrying is it, it's the force. Yeah. Photons are the photons force. Photons carry the force for the electromagnetic force. Photons are the force, everybody. Oh we shit. Have, uh, we've solved it. Photons. May the photon force be with you. We solved it. It was solved so long ago. We solved. <laughs> we solved Star Wars. We, yeah, we did. Um, so, uh, but yeah, anyway, so I think we should start off. What is light? What is light? Yeah. Baby, so, don't blind me. Don't blind me. No more. All right. So there's <laughs> the visible light that we all okay. uh-huh. enjoy from yes. red, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Yes. The rainbow. 
Man. Everybody experiences the rainbow. But some of us like it more than others, <laughs> apparently. Um, but there's a lot of light that we can't see. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. we're just going to kind of, I say quickly, it won't be quickly, but we're going to step through these invisible, invisible light? forms of light. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. We're going to begin with infrared. So these, uh, we're going to go with a little bit of a longer wavelength than, than red. And uh-huh. so um, when you look at when you look at the visible wavelength, red has the longer wavelength, and then the wavelengths slowly uh, get shorter until you get to violet, which is the shortest wavelength mm-hmm. of light, of visible light. And so um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm like, Tell me decided to No one could hear it. No yeah. one could hear it but me. So let's start with infrared, which is a little bit longer wavelength um, than red. Discovered by accident in, um, oh, in, okay, yeah. in 1800 by one William Herschel. Oh, Brandon, great favorite guy. He's probably on the plane already now. Who Brandon really likes. Um, William Herschel was... Um, I like, hold on, what Frederick said. Do not uh, perturbate... Per, per, Perturbate anyone, anyone with electrons uh, without, without consent. consent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, those electrons really push back on you. Yeah, stay away from Electrons are like, nope, nope. We don't, to, we don't talk, want to bond. Talk to the electrons. Yes. Um, and so it was discovered by accident. He was measuring the temperatures of, uh-huh. of light. And he was like, wait a minute, why is it? Why did the temperature <laughs> go up a little bit <laughs> when, there's when I don't have here. any color? Uh-huh. Um, and so he went a little bit to the side and of he, red. And he didn't go with ghosts? He did not say it was ghosts, no. Um, and so he discovered infrared. Um, I know, that's wild. Completely by accident. There's three types of infrared. Ooh. Near, mid, and far. Okay. So near is closer to the red, far is farther from the, further from the red, so closer to the longer wavelengths. Longer wavelengths. Yeah, so the near is going to have the shorter, uh-huh. mid's going to be a little bit longer, and the far is going to have even longer even wavelengths. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Basically, infrared allows you to see objects that are too cool and, and faint to be seen with visible wave uh, wavelengths. And so, you know, you can find brown dwarves this way yeah, and things like yes. that. Um, it's what James Webb really likes to use. cooler galaxies, old galaxies. Yeah. Um, and what's really great about infrared is that these longer wavelengths pass through denser um, dust and gas. Um, whereas, uh, with, with less absorption and scattering in the visible light. And so you're able to see through the dust and gas. So if you have, if you have a big cloud of dust and gas, like a stellar nursery, um, you can use the infrared to see the baby stars that are in the cocoon. In the cocoon that we normally wouldn't, I mean, basically it's like, I mean, I know we're going to get to x-ray, uh, but it's like x-ray, but it's like. Not it X-ray. really is kind of real X-ray. <laughs> X-ray. <laughs> Infrared vision. Yeah, and so so we use it to study the universe that we live in, the larger universe. I see things at night better. Yeah, and, and night vision goggles uh-huh. use infrared, and that's really cool. Um, yeah, that's actually is really cool. The eyes. But then crazy. there's animals and stuff that do see infrared. Yeah, snakes see. don't snakes. Snakes, maybe? Yeah, snakes yes. do because they, they see the, they're looking for Tahita things. Oh, that's right. They're prey. Yeah, and so snakes will see it. They're cold, so they yeah. see the heat. Um, but we don't always use it to look out into the universe. We sometimes use it to study the Earth. And um, so we've used it to study changes in temperature of the sea and the land. Oh, okay. And so um, 
it's really good empirical evidence for climate change to show that the climate is changing, that the earth is warming up Mm -hmm. and all the naysayers can cherry pick it all they want. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, it still shows that the temperature is rising. It's going up. If if we increase the wavelength a little bit more, we come to this thing that we all have in our kitchens, a microwave. Microwave. Yes. The microwave, uh, wavelength, which is technically, kind of the high end of radio waves. Um, but um, they actually now consider it different because um, the technology they use to measure radio waves versus microwaves mm-hmm. is, is different. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, but microwaves, um, there are different bands of microwaves, just like there are different parts of the infrared. Mm-hmm. Um, you have medium, medium length C-band which can penetrate clouds, dust, smoke, snow, and rain to reveal the Earth's surface. Oh, what one do we use to cook with? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, I don't know. Oh. Uh, but but what it does is the, the microwave oven, what it does is, the, so the microwaves, it, it forces the water molecules and the fat molecules to rotate. And, and that heats it up. And that heats it up. Oh, that that uh, and that's force. why there's that mesh screen on the front of all microwaves because those holes are just small enough that the microwaves can't get through them to yeah. cause any harm to, to, to those us. that are just watching their food cook. I remember when I was a kid that uh, yeah. when when I thought microwaves first came out, but apparently they didn't. But um, uh, my mom was like, uh, you, "You're gonna you're gonna get radiated if you just watch your food. Don't don't watch your food." Don't, don't. And the TV. Yeah. The TV hurts your eyes. Not so, your eyes. So too close to the TV. So that's the C-band. That's the medium length um, C-band. There's the, also the L-band microwaves, which is used by GPS. Um, the reason why they want to use the GPS is uh, the L-way, the L-band is because it can penetrate the canopy of forest. Uh-oh. So your trees aren't really affected by it. Um, don't, don't affect it too much. And it allows them to measure soil mo- uh, moisture in uh, rainforest. So that's that's kind of oh, cool. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know microwaves were used for so many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, quite a bit. And um, communication satellites use the CX and KU band um, to send signals down. I never to thought the... about what kind of you know light GPS uses. <laughs> that's true. I never really, I never thought about it either until. Um, um, I until I started putting it together. Just send, I mean, just, I just thought, oh, they send, just send a signal. Send the signals. I never thought about what that signal actually is. Right, but, it, but it's, it's, you know, it's important because you can't send, the higher frequency signals uh, are going to be blocked, blocked by the atmosphere. And so you want that lower frequency. Um, and But you also want to pick something that, you know, that you can, um, you know, obviously penetrate clouds and dust and gas and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But also, apparently, canopy of trees. Cool. Which I never thought about. Well, I mean, the rainforest where we're not destroying it is thick and dense, and yeah. You know, so, and you know, um, you see it if it, all right. If you have regular TV, uh, or you have a weather app, mm-hmm. and um, and the news or your weather app has Doppler radar, that is actually using microwaves oh. because radar is actually um, is is it's actually. Radar can either be radio waves um, or it can be microwaves, but Doppler radar uses microwaves. Oh, okay. Um, and of course, you can't talk about microwaves without talking about 
the Big Friggin' Bang. Ah, the cosmic microwave background, background radiation. So, um, if you go back to the 1960s, um, uh, Arno and Penzias, they discovered um, this microwave radiation that was coming from all parts of the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought it was bird poop, They, you know, all this other stuff. And... Um, um, and, uh, and they discovered the afterglow of, of the Big Bang. All right, so what do we got here? You can measure the length of your microwave cooking a chocolate bar and look the parts. At the that... parts that melt and the ones that not when it's not a rotating, uh, plate. So oh. okay. do they even make them not rotating anymore? I'm sure they do, yeah. So. But, yeah, that, that is, uh, that's cool to see. It is, I mean, it's fun to watch food cook in the microwave. But yeah. you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up being like the Hulk. And you got, Put in a weird you way got because... microwaves cooking the universe. And uh, microwaves cooking your food. All right. Radio waves. <laughs> it was a very Tyson. It was a very Tyson voice you just did. Oh, was it? Yeah, it, just, it sounded very Tyson. I wouldn't. I, I cannot reproduce it. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, radio waves. Um, these typically had the wavelength uh, from the size of a football to larger than the Earth. So, I, I thought radio waves, to me, radio waves, all right, so the most famous radio wave is 21 centimeters, which is the, the radio, um, is, is the, the wavelength of the light that neutral hydrogen will radiate at. And so, you can use it to... How do we, how do we measure how long... It's all based in quantum physics. Wow. And so, with, with quantum physics, you can actually... Um, determine the the length of the light, the wavelength of the light um, that will be created when an electron jumps from one shell to another shell um, and from one energy level to another. And so it's, it's all based in quantum physics. And, um, and so 21 centimeters, neutral hydrogen, and you can use it to actually map out um, clouds of dust and gas. And from that, you can get the spiral shape of our galaxy and that was using 21 centimeters was how we were able to figure out at least initially that, that our galaxy, galaxy yep uh you you have some you have some like observational where it you you look out into uh you look into your telescope and you see other spiral galaxies mm-hmm. and you see their shape and you're like so you okay the like, milky oh. way the milky way kind of has that uh-huh. that same appearance and so we're probably in a spiral galaxy, but, you know, mapping out clouds of dust and gas mm-hmm. really shows you that spiral mm-hmm. shape um, and then really kind of proves it mm-hmm. other than us just saying, we think we live in a spiral <laughs> galaxy. Um, but it was proven to exist. Uh, radio waves were proven to exist by Heinrich Hertz in the late 1880s. Hertz. Yep. And so um he had a spark gap apparatus and he was able to prove that uh, radio waves actually existed um in the 1880s what is a spark gap apparatus um i'm not entirely sure okay um but i think i think what they i I think it's two plates um and these plates are charged and they'll make a spark Mm -hmm. but he had so i believe that's what it is so he had he had a set of two of them Mm -hmm. And um, so he had a spark here, and it induced something over here in this other spark plate that he had, the spark gap. So the gap is your two plates, the gaps between them. Okay. Um, It's like a, I think basically you make little lightning bolts out of them. 
So, which is fine. Um, <laughs> which is fine. It's fun yeah. to make little lightning bolts, you know. I mean, I would just want it to make little lightning bolts. <laughs> I know, right? So you would just constantly doing science with zip, it. Zip, zip, zip. I'd be like, ooh. Uh, but in 1932, Carl Jansky proved that objects in the solar system actually emit radio waves. Oh. Yeah, so you can use it to view planets and comets and giant clouds of gas, which we've talked about, um, and dust and stars and galaxies. And probably the most famous galaxies, um, the ones that you see shortly after the Big Bang, quasars. Ooh, quasi-stellar. Radio source. <laughs> Yeah, radio source. Um, and so, yeah, and so they discovered those um, quasars, um, and basically they're really bright in the radio waves. Mm -hmm. um, and so you need really big telescopes to see these things. Um, so if you are ever in, like, the Las Cruces area of New Mexico, the very yeah, large the array mm -hmm. um, in, in the United States, um, they have a whole set of, yeah. of these telescopes. They're, they're seen in the movie Contact yeah. is what um, L.A. is sitting on the hood of her car, listening to you. Don't freaking listen to those things. No, you can't. Let's get the baseball game on uh, the <laughs> radio. Is it AM or FM? It's, uh, it's really <laughs> far. So the quasars are in AM, so really it's just uh, it's church, really church talk far. radio is what it's they're really, broadcasting. Yep. <laughs> um, the really cool thing about these uh, radio telescopes, though, is that... Um, um, you can use interferometry with them, and so yeah. you can have one telescope on in uh, one side of the mm -hmm. Earth, let's say Hawaii, mm -hmm. and then you can have one in Italy, and they're all looking at the same objects. And you you tie those two together, and, and you basically you've made a telescope that big. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, the bigger the telescope, the better. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's really. Uh, Really, really cool. Are all forms of radio waves... Okay, okay. all right. Well, all right. Let, let's address this. This is actually kind of important. Yes. Um, and um, so radio waves don't carry sound. Mm -hmm. But what they do is they, they carry... Um, uh, they, they have a wavelength, they have a frequency, and they have... So in that wavelength, in that frequency is information, and they hit, they hit your antenna of your car, it goes into the radio, and then the radio converts that electromagnetic, that radio wave into a mechanical wave, for lack of a better word. It basically vibrates your speakers, and that is what makes the sound. And so the radio wave is not uh, carrying sound per se. We have to make the sound. We have to make the sound the out of the wave. information that mm -hmm. the radio wave is mm -hmm. carrying. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like streaming in a way because you're not, it's basically your, your, uh, your TV or your Xbox or whatever, your device is basically just getting all this little information packets of, of data that it's not, and that it then has to convert, convert to a and picture. Then combine together into a picture a and picture. sound. It has to make a picture and sound out of just these packets of data that it's mm -hmm. being sent, that it's receiving from a source. And it has to make, yeah. it, it has to interpret that and then convert it into something we see and hear. Yeah. And so basically what your radio does is it converts electromagnetic, electromagnetic energy, light radio waves, mm -hmm. into mechanical energy, which is sound, which is what allows you to hear it. So that's wild. I mean, it's just wild. Mm -hmm. It's just wild. 
What is it? It's wild. It's wild. All right. So those are the longer wavelengths of light. Uh-huh. Um, let's look at the shorter wavelengths of light. So let's go shorter than violet. Um, ultraviolet. Ultraviolet. Yes, ultraviolet. Discovered in 1801 by John Ritter, who exposed photographic paper to light beyond violet. So what he did was he he knew that, um, <laughs> so there's no sound in space, but we, yeah, no one hears you scream in space. No one you scream in space. Um, so in the 1800s, they knew that um, uh, photographic paper would, could turn black the more blue light that hit it. And so what he did was he threw basically a, uh, a spectrum up on the wall uh-huh. and put the photographic plate uh, paper, um, not in violet, but to the side of violet and what would be the ultraviolet part and turned black. And so he proved there was um, ultraviolet light. And he didn't go with ghosts either. He didn't go with ghosts either because oh. we don't do that. <laughs> we didn't do that back then. I mean, but some the, of us did. But in the 1800s, but... everything was ghosts. That's true. That's true. Actually, now everything is 1800s ghosts. All right. So when you uh, when you take um, an ultraviolet picture, and by the way, you need you need special technology for for the light that we can't see, right? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And so um, you you prove it's there, but then you need to, to invent the technology to actually to see it basically, but to... basically to make an image of it. But when you take an ultraviolet image of galaxies, um, it shows, um, clouds of dust and gas that have newly formed stars in them because they will be, um, you're going to have a lot of brighter, hotter stars and they're going to be brighter in the, in the ultraviolet light. And so you're able um, to see that you can actually take pictures of, of the sun in ultraviolet and, and, you know, see where all the storms are on the sun and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, go to the, uh, uh, was the SDO, Solar Dynamics SDO, Observatory yeah. website? And you can, I mean, you can look at what the sun looks like right now, right this very second. Yeah. Uh, and you can also see it in different wavelengths of light and see how different it looks and, and the kind of different features you can see on the air quote surface. Yeah, and so um, what's really cool is if you look at a galaxy in visible light, it shows you where a lot of the um, the older yellow and orange stars are. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the same galaxy in the in the ultraviolet, it shows you where a lot of the younger mm-hmm. stars are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this next thing I thought was really cool, I did not know this, but the Lyman Alpha Mapping Project, LAMP, mm-hmm. on board the Lunar, Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, LRO, which is, go, go, go work out. <laughs> Which is orbiting the moon. Um, This is really cool. Um, Can peer into permanently shaded craters on the moon, like at the poles. Uh And and can actually sense faint reflections of UV light coming from distant stars. Basically uses them as a reflector. That is so fucking cool. I just think that is the coolest thing. That's wild. Um, Okay, that's the word of the day. Wild. Yes, that is that is insane. So, all right, continuing on because we are. I'm going long. Yeah, we haven't even got to measuring anything. Yeah, X-rays discovered in 1895 by Will Will Wilhelm Conrad Rottingen, and commonly known for when you need to go to the doctor or the dentist. Yeah, and so these are these show you extremely energetic events um, in the universe, and Mm -hmm. so. Short and wavelengths. And the bones in your body. Yeah. Um, and that was, it, this is actually a form of light that did go really quick from discovering to practical use. 
Oh. Yeah, with x-rays and stuff like How that. How long did it take before they figured out that you need to have that heavy thing on you, or else it will, like, just x-rays will destroy you? Probably took a while. Okay. Probably took a while. A lot of people got um, x-ray cancer. And x-rays come from objects that are millions of degrees uh, in temperature. Um, so you can use it to... Um, I was going to say, it's getting hot out here. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Corona, use it to look at the Corona of the mm-hmm. sun and things like that. Spirit, um, use it to look at uh, x-rays uh, uh, from uh, x-ray signatures coming from zinc and nickel in Martian rocks. Oh, Spirit had like a device that could mm-hmm. utilize x-ray. Oh, yeah. Neat. And then you have uh, gamma rays. These are produced by the hottest and most energetic objects in the universe. Oh, that shit will kill you real fast. Yeah, neutron stars, pulsars, supernova explosions, and regions around black holes. So accretion disks. <laughs> um, that is, uh, that, that, and here on Earth, nuclear explosions will uh, create a oh, lot of gamma. Oh, you get rays. a little gamma? Yep, lightning creates a lot of gamma rays. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It doesn't so, just fry you, it just, it also gammas you. Yeah, it also gamma you. Gamma, oh, yeah, gamma. Like a, a lightning Hulk. So what's really cool about uh, gamma rays is um, gamma ray. All right, so X rays have a wavelength wavelength that is on side, at least on the short side of wavelength of X rays, about the size of an atom. Okay. Uh, gamma rays obviously are shorter. Uh-huh. It actually can go through the spaces between uh, atoms, and so building a detector is quite hard. And so what they've done is they have created really dense um, crystals to detect gamma rays. And what, what it happens is the gamma ray comes in, it knocks off an electron, the electron um, uh, moves off in a direction, the gamma ray actually loses some energy, you can detect the moving electron, uh, you might actually even be able to detect the, uh, the, the, the now reduced energy gamma ray, and it's, it's actually called the Compton effect, but um, which is actually what I should name my drink. But anyway, Compton scattering, and um, and that's how they kind of discover these gamma rays now. So, all right, <laughs> all right, and so those are the forms of light. Now let's get into what they tell us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so with them, you can uh, you actually can tell a lot about an object. Well, I should hope so because uh, that's all we got. It's pretty much all the data we have. That's yeah. all we can. And I think the probably the the main thing, uh, the important thing that you can tell is what something is made out of. Oh. Yeah. And so um, when when we look at uh, a rainbow, mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful gradient from red to violet, yeah. right? Um, and everybody gets mesmerized, especially if there's two of them. People freak out when there's a double rainbow. Yeah, and those actually are kind of cool to actually see. So, um, however, though, if you were to take a telescope, Mm -hmm. if you were to shine, if you were to shine a uh, a rainbow onto your wall, and then you would take a telescope, microscope, whatever you want to call it, and you would really finely look at the rainbow Mm -hmm. and zoom in really close, you could see little black lines in the rainbow you don't need a special thing to see the absorption spectrum? no i think the um the initially the absorption was somebody just took a real close look at it um with uh, they basically zoomed in on it and they were able to see it um and these little black lines and now you do have like specialized equipment um that actually will show you 
um, you know, the absorption lines mm -hmm. uh, of an object. You, do that. you can even take pictures of it and that type of thing. So, but I think originally the very first time was somebody actually just took a damn closer look at it. Okay. Um, and so these are these little black lines mm -hmm. in a rainbow continuum are called absorption lines. Mm -hmm. And what is going on with absorption lines um, is that um, as the light comes through either the outer atmospheres of a star or through our atmosphere or whatever, the elements that are in, say, our atmosphere will absorb some of the wavelengths of those light, of that light, and it creates these little black lines in what would normally be a continuous spectrum uh, rainbow. Uh, what's really awesome, though, is that these little black lines they are the fingerprints of elements. Uh-huh. And so... Yeah, no, no single element has the same exact absorption, absorption line. spectra. No, because they all have different um, electron configurations. They all have mm -hmm. um, different energy levels mm -hmm. and things like that. And so um, they don't share the same fingerprint. Mm -hmm. These are the fingerprints of, of you know, of the objects. Universe. Of the universe, really, of, of the elements. Mm -hmm. um, that was one of my favorite labs in my uh, astronomy class uh, in college was we had to do, we did a, a lab on absorption and emission spectra, and we had to do a little, did, did you Davison and spill? Davison. <gasps> I did, did not even. He did it. He spilled everybody. Well, we have a Davison iPad. over here. Um, but we had to then figure out what elements were what uh, based on the fingerprints that we were seeing, based on the, the absorption spectra or the emission spectra that we were seeing, which was really fun. We had like these tubes filled with uh, mm -hmm. elemental gas, basically. Yeah. And there was various different ones and, and whatnot. And it was just, it was really fun and really cool to see because you yeah. don't think about. Yeah, well, you're no, probably you seeing know that. You were seeing the emission line, right? I think we did one with both. We had two oh, different, okay. we had like a shoot like a special set of glasses for one and then we it did something else for another one i think mm. but well this is a great this this is a great story about absorption line oh and okay. um i i i love it um wait we've done a shot what's the title of this story woman says fuck you to the patriarchy women woman says fuck you to the patriarchy yeah so a the, story on absorption spectra. <laughs> yeah. So in the uh, in the early 1900s, um, uh, most astronomers thought that um, iron was actually the most common element in the sun's atmosphere. Oh. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> um, and actually, the hydrogen played a uh, a very minor um, role That's in the cool. atmosphere. We have a fly. There's a in big here. fly in here. Um, <laughs> The person who solved this and said, no, all you people are wrong, um, was one Cecilia Payne. Oh, we did. We did a shot. Yeah, check out the shot on Cecilia Payne. Yep. Um, she actually uh, solved the puzzle and figured out the true composition of stars, mm -hmm. Cecilia Payne. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, she figured out it was mainly hydrogen and, and helium and not uh, iron. Mean. There's really not a lot of iron in that. Let's hope not. No. If our son had a lot of iron, big bada boom coming. That's not good. Um. Oh, <laughs> hold on. We got. Uh, we got. I stole all my dad's remotes. <laughs> all he wants to do is work out. That's it. <laughs>
cameo from uh, uh, voice cameo from podcast what? dad. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So whereas absorption lines will make a little black lines in the in the spectrum, um, you actually have what are called emission lines, and these are very bright lines on a black background. Yes. And yes. so these are emission lines are where um, you have like a big cloud of dust and gas mm -hmm. that is emitting light. And um, each element is going to emit the um, a light in certain wavelengths, and so you get these little these very bright lights, uh, bright lines. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you were to take an absorption line, say of hydrogen, and an emission line of of um, uh, of, of hydrogen, and you put them together, they actually make a continuous rainbow. Hey. Yeah, and so uh, the emission lines fill in the gaps of the uh -huh. absorption lines, and so. Um, with absorption lines, you can you can figure out the composition of uh, of, of a star's outer atmosphere mm -hmm. or a cloud of dust and gas as you have this um, this continuous spectrum come through mm -hmm. and gets mm -hmm. absorbed. Um, but if those things are actually glowing themselves, and you can get you get emission lines, and you're able to figure out, so we can, we can use these to mm -hmm. to really kind of figure out. What things yeah. are made Measure, of. measuring what they're made of, and then how much of something. Yeah, and exactly, exactly. And so the bigger, the more, um, say, methane you have in an atmosphere, mm -hmm. the bigger that that line is going to be. The stronger it is, and so you're able to say, and you know, uh, Webb is going to be able to do this with atmospheres and say, it's got a lot of freaking methane in it. Mm -hmm. um, which means we got a lot of cows be, over here farting in space. Yeah, exactly. Um, or some tectonic stuff that's going on. But you know, you can use it to. I mean, methane is really important uh, because methane doesn't stick around. Ultraviolet light mm -hmm. will destroy it pretty quickly, uh, relatively speaking. And so, if you if you, if you have a continuous supply of a lot of methane, then yeah. something's producing that methane. Yep, and life. Really good at producing. Life finds a way to produce methane. Life farts away. <laughs> All right. So you named your drink the Paloma effect. Yes, I did. You added the. Uh, so you had effect in your name. It made me I was not subconsciously. Paying attention to well, the name of mine. Your, uh... Mine doesn't. Mine just says uh, uh, the Zaman. Yeah, and you would think, but my brain would have been like, oh, it's. What well, I, not necessarily. I, I didn't make the connection. So basically, our drinks are named after the same thing. Yeah, which as it should be. It should be. Um, Hold on, I gotta refill my drink, which I know you hate. You hate so much. But it has such a nice. I'm not doing it by the mic. I mean, it is. It, people know that we're drink refill that. sequence complete. Yeah, resume podcast. All right. Uh, there is this thing called the uh, the Zeman effect. And is it Zeman? Yeah. You got the pronunciation. Yeah, he's Dutch. Oh, okay. Because it's spelled Z-man. Yeah, and it's spelled Zeman, but I, it but is Zeman. Yes. And so he was this Dutch dude, um, um, uh, Peter. Yeah. Peter. Peter Zaman um, in 1896, um, uh, he discovered the effect named after him. And basically, if you look at these, what he was finding was, um, if you look at these um, absorption lines mm -hmm. and um, or these the spectral lines, I should say, because it, it doesn't really matter, uh, the spectral lines, 
uh, he was seeing that there were two little lines um, where there really should just be one. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the magnetic field splits those lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the stronger the magnetic field, the bigger the split. Oh, but we don't know how magnets work. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and so he discovered um, what is now named after him, the Zeeman effect, which is that you can actually measure the magnetic field of something by looking by at the looking light. At the light. Yeah, because it'll split. It'll split the. Uh, it'll split the the absorption line. Interestingly enough, um, you also have a similar effect called the Stark effect, named Sorry. after Tony. Uh <laughs> not. It's not named after Tony. Uh, but it is the Stark effect, which will tell you about electric fields. Oh. It's a little bit different, in, but you can you can tell the difference between the two. Um, and so he won the Nobel Prize in 1902 for his discovery in 1896. He won the second Nobel Prize. The second ever Nobel Prize. Yeah, That's I think, cool. And Hertz got the first one. Hertz got the first one. Yeah. Um, in 1901. Look at that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the strength uh, of that magnetic field is the distance between the lines. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you can also tell the temperature of, of an object by looking at its, mm -hmm. uh, in the stars, really in particular. You can tell the temperature of them um, by looking um, Maybe at their... Maybe you'll have just have like a thermometer that points out, a thermometer yep. telescope that points the, the that actually, reading. That'd actually be really cool. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Under your armpit. So, yeah, and so if you look at the um, light curve, like how how many photons you receive of each wavelength, it makes this beautiful little curve um, that Max Planck discovered in the early 1900s. And um, uh, it the, the maximum of that curve um, tells you exactly how hot that star is. Wow. Yeah called wings displacement um, and it will give you it will give you the wavelength and the temperature and so so you look at it um, uh, you know the wavelength uh, because you've just measured it and then you can get the temperature from it huh. um, and so and, and vice versa so if you know the temperature of, the, of our sun it tells you what the wavelength um, that is mainly emitted by the sun which is in the color green well that's right yep um, remember though, colors are, are not what you think they're not, are. they're not, colors are not real. Colors, <laughs> colors are, are real. colors are, colors our are, brain, are, are a lie. <laughs> they are our brain interpreting wavelengths and frequencies. So then, can you ever really have a favorite color? Cause we all just, it's yes. all made up. You can have a favorite wavelength or you frequency. You can have a favorite wavelength or frequency. Yes. And so my favorite frequency is purple. Mm hmm um and um, like a hat <laughs> yeah um and also you can tell how fast something is moving towards you or away from you it's funny then how we use red to symbolize something hot and blue to symbolize something cold when it's the opposite, opposite. in reality of you know i was thinking about that yesterday though um i had gone outside and was enjoying the the just shade i didn't want to sit in the sun Mm -hmm. because I, I like to be in the shade but yeah. um, but I was thinking about the podcast and I was thinking about how uh, with temperature we associate red mm -hmm. um, and and I don't know why we do that 
And so I came up with a hypothesis. Oh, and you this, have a hypothesis. This might be I'm true. I'm sure you could have Googled it. I'm sure there's something on Google. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure. But when we sit by a fire, and the fires are red, and we get the warmth, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And so we associate that as warm temperatures. Yeah, but you you usually don't have the energy to do that. To make blue fire at a campfire. Yeah, and so, and but also. <laughs> yeah, Mom, it's not really gray. Um. So, but when we look at ice, you know, you can get a blue tint in the ice. Yeah. You know, especially if there's a lot of ice. Yeah. Like you look at icebergs, there you can yeah. get kind of a bluish tint in them. Uh-huh. And so I think that's why we associate it with cold, even though it's the opposite. Blue stars yeah. are hotter than. Um, than yeah. red stars. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. You know, it it's probably maybe uh, it's my hypothesis. Mm-hmm. I probably googled it a long time ago, and it subconsciously <laughs> is what it is. But uh, but that's just what I think. So now we can get. Why are you yawning? Is this boring to you? No, I'm just I'm tired. <laughs> All right, so now we can get into how big the universe is. Oh God. Who's oh, huge? Oh God. And how we figure out All right, so, how big so as are. a mini recap here, uh, we can use light. Light is data, mm-hmm. and we use it to measure, you know, how, how what stuff is made out of, how hot it is, and now we need to use it to figure out how far away shit is. Yeah. So there's a lot of information you can get from light. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of information in it. So how big Otherwise, the universe is? We'd be in the dark. <laughs> okay. Um, I I throw this in there because now we really are talking about what are called standard candles um, in astronomy. Well, my mom makes a good point. Our skin turns red when we burn it, and I burnt my skin the other day, and I have a little red mark. So yeah, red hot. Yeah, and no, yeah, and the candy, it. red hots. Exactly. They should be blue hots. Oh, they should. Anyway, yeah, all right. but cinnamon's red, right? Cinnamon is red, well, even though it's, it's brown. brown. Brown, it's but, brown but it's always red. Is, yeah. is that a marketing thing? Yeah. Some marketing thing. Yeah. Anyway, 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 moving on. Moving All right, on. so I include this first one. This first one really has nothing to do with light. Oh. Parallax. Oh. Yeah, and so when when you're on the Earth, let's say you're looking at a star. Okay. You look at it on January Which one? 1st. Beyonce, uh, Sure. <laughs> Whichever one works okay. for you. <laughs> Um, and you look at a star, and you measure where that star is against the more distant, further background star. Okay. And you put it on a little piece of paper, and you how draw do, your little piece How do you know what are the more distant background stars? Good question. Okay. But, but you take a picture of it. <laughs> okay. And then you come back six months later, because you're on the opposite side of the sun from where you were oh, six oh. months later. Okay. Um, and you take a picture of the same star, you see that it has shifted mm-hmm. against those more distant background stars. I guess you can tell they're more distant stars because they don't friggin' move in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, from that, you know, you know how big uh, the orbit of the Earth is, um, and you're able to have, figure out how far away that star is. Um, I guess it has to do with light, uh, because you are measuring light, mm-hmm. um, you're taking a picture of it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's not information that's actually carried in the light. In the light, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of an optical thing. And so you can do it with your thumb. Yeah, isn't it like when you switch your eye? Yep. And then it's like, 
You, yep. Your thumb appears to move even though yep. you're not moving your thumb at all. Uh, yeah, and so but there's distance between your eyeballs. So yeah, so if you if you hold your thumb out and you look at it with your right eye, huh? I said everybody do it with us. Yeah, if you look at it with your right eye, notice where it is. Now look at it with your left eye. Notice oh. where it is. It shifted, and um, technically you could use that shift to measure the length of your arm. You can also figure out which one's your dominant eye with it. Um, oh, just by how easy it is to close your eye? No. And so if I look at my um, thumb right now, it's right on top of, to me anyway, the uh, the camera. Yeah, you're pretty spot on there. It's pretty good. Yeah. And so now if I look at it with my right eye, it's still on top of the, of the camera. If I look at it on my left eye, it's off to the left, off to the right. Mm -hmm. So my right eye is my dominant eye. Oh. Yep. Now look at look at it with both lights open. Oh. Both lights, both oh. eyes open. Okay. And notice where it is. Well, they both move to the side of the camera. Okay. All right. Do well, I have even? I guess you got even eyes. I got even eyes. Is that why I have twenty twenty vision? No. Oh. It's completely unrelated. <laughs> okay. <but> okay. <laughs> My eyes. Because I don't have they 20 are both right dominant eyes. because they're twenty twenty. Okay, yeah, yeah which means sure. I should have good hindsight. What? <laughs> should you have I good... have should have good hindsight because I have twenty twenty vision. Oh, but, and hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, but we all have good hindsight. Oh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Oh, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Oh. All right, but these I are... should have good foresight. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so these actually, these couple of things you uh, you can actually use to um, measure the size of the universe. Cepheid variables. Cepheid variables. From the constellation of Cepheus, the, the king. king. Wow. We still got it. Uh, Henrietta um, Swan Leavitt in 1908 mm -hmm. discovered. We had a shot on her, on I think. Her, I if think. not, or an, uh, we, we talked should. about her. Yes. If not, we should make a shot on her. Um, in 1908, she um, discovered a relationship between, um, okay, Cepheid variables are these stars that will brighten and dim. And, um, and that brightening and dimming is uh, proportional. Are these the standard candles? These are, this is a standard, standard candle. candle. Um, it's, um, it's always the same. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can use it to, um, that brightness, all Cepheid variables, well, there's two short term, long term, but they will all brighten and dim the same way. And they will always reach the same brightness and always the same dimness. Mm -hmm. And so you can use those, um, you can use that information to actually figure out how far away that star mm -hmm. is. It's like moving um, a light bulb closer and further mm -hmm. from you. Um, and so uh, Edwin Hubble used it to figure out how far Andromeda was and mm -hmm. to settle the great debate. Yes. Uh, Which check out that shot episode on Hubble, Edwin Hubble. Yes. So. Up now. However, though, recently. Or on Wednesday. With Spitzer. Mm -hmm. May Spitzer rest in peace. Um, they might not be as standard as we thought. Because some of them, 25% of them lose mass. Oh, so is all of our distance it could be wrong? Could be. So we don't, we possibly don't really know how far away anything is. 
Well, if Cepheid variables were our only tool that we use, oh, but they're not. But they're not. Ho ho ho! Science. Oh, I think I just nailed the the camera. Oh, I apologize for that. That's fine. Um, related to Cepheid variables are are our Lyra stars. They are also the variable stars. Constellation of Lyra. Lyra. In fact, named after RR, the RR star. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, these these two are Cepheid variables, but they are they are dim compared to uh, I'm sorry, these two are variable stars, but they are dim compared to Cepheid variables. Uh, but you can use them um to tell um how far something is. The thing is is these tend to be um stars that have ages typically around ten billion years old. Oh, so, so they're very old. Um, so they're generally found in globular clusters or in the bulges of the galaxies. And so you, you typically use them um, only to measure distance to globular clusters. But but it's still... So limited a, use. Limited it use. is limited use mm -hmm. because Cephe variables are better. And by the way, globular clusters are basically globs of stars. Uh <laughs> Large star clusters that are hanging out, orbiting the in the halo of our of a spiral galaxy, kind of outside of the disk and. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, if you can find an RR Lyra star in, like, say, the Andromeda Galaxy's globular clusters, and you know exactly how far away that is, and mm -hmm. like that, and so um, you know, it's just a it's a good way to to test, you know, distances and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a good, it's, it's a good idea. Obviously, in science, you want to have different ways to, mm -hmm. different methods and different things to go by in order to figure out all that shit. If you put the iPad away, is that all? There's good? only one more. There's only one more? There's only one more. All right. Uh, and that are type 1A supernovae. Oh, yeah. Uh, type 2 supernovae. Like Cassiopeia A. Yeah, type 2 supernovae are where a star says, I'm done. And blows up. Peace. I'm out. It's like smoke bomb. Yes. <laughs> Except it doesn't quite disappear, but there is a. Um, but uh, type 1A supernovae are supernovae where a white dwarf explodes um, in a supernova explosion. And basically, what we. what There's about a thousand per year of type 1A supernovae. They always brighten and dim in the exact same way. And you can use those brightness curves to figure out exactly how far a galaxy is. These supernovae, they exp you can see them across the universe is what you can do. Because they, um, they outshine the galaxy. Mm -hmm. They outshine the amount of energy that our star, our sun produces in its entire lifetime. Um, so, so these are very bright events. And so um, you can... And they shine like a diamond? You know, for a bit until <laughs> no, they don't. Um, and we we used to think that we we had a pretty good understanding of what actually forms a type one. We used to think, yeah. And so what they thought happened was that um, uh, a, a white dwarf would pull off material from another star, and yeah, and so that uh, would accrete onto the white dwarf. It would get to a certain um, thickness, and which is going to equate to a certain amount of heat, and it that mass. Um, it just can't handle it. Can't handle it just heat. can't handle it, and it actually creates this thermo, this runaway thermonuclear explosion, which destroys the white dwarf and creates the neutron star. 
uh, I mean, it creates the, yeah, the Type 1A supernovae. Uh, and then I think in 2018, this weird one happened. Um, and so... <laughs> a weird one. A weird one happened, which wasn't quite what they were expecting. And so... They're like, uh-oh. Yeah, and oh, okay. so there were some astronomers who set about trying to figure out what was causing the issue. I mean, what what was causing what they what they saw, and they came up with the idea of really what was going on was you had a neutron and uh, a white dwarf. I don't know why I want to keep saying neutron star, <laughs> but a white dwarf that was orbiting another white dwarf, and that the one white dwarf was able to pull a, enough to yeah, and so white dwarf A was stealing um, helium off of the other white dwarf. White dwarf B. Yeah, white dwarf B. Um, and, and of course, it exploded in this type 1A supernovae, which then, basically, you have lost half your mass in the system, and it makes the other white, uh, white dwarf just go careening out into the universe. Uh-huh. Uh, these high-speed runaway white dwarfs. And so... <laughs> runaway white dwarfs. Yeah. And so the astronomers were like, okay, here's the thing. Um, if, if this is actually what's happening, then... Oh, and, and this type of situation perfectly showed... Um, How we don't know jack shit about the universe. Well, that too. But it perfectly showed a light curve that they had witnessed for, for this mm-hmm. weird type 1A supernova explosion. Um, and, um, and so what they said was what you should find is either zero runaway high speed white dwarfs, or you should find them. And astronomers found three, which isn't a high number, but it's also not zero. You should find zero or you a should billion. find, you should find you should, zero or a billion. Um, and they found three. Well, I mean, a thousand of them happen every year. And oh, so yeah. so you should be able to, I mean, but these are Find kind of dim. some that are runaway. Yeah. And so, yeah, like Tom Petty, runaway. Um, but anyway, so, you, but they found three. And so now they're not entirely sure. And so, but, but in the end, that's just the process that creates the type 1A supernovae. Wow. It still it still reacts the same way. And so okay, there's so still, still, a, still a, a good standard candle. Uh-huh. It's just that we don't understand the understand. mechanism necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Kind of cool. Wow. That's a very long-winded how we measure the universe from how things are, uh, what they're made of, to the temperatures, to kind of getting the size of things. And the universe is huge. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's insane that we're able to figure out how far away things are. Oh, and also, I didn't even talk about this. Just the, um, uh, just the, uh, oh, God, Doppler effect of light. Redshift, blue shift. Red, redshift, blue shift. Um, Hubble's constant. You're able to um, look at how fast something is moving away from us, galaxy-wise. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you can tell how far away that is because yeah, of Hubble's constant. Yeah, shifts more toward the red. And it's the same spec. It's not like it turns red or... It is red or anything. It shifts just more to the red as it moves away from us and then shifts more into the blue as it comes towards us. And the amount of shift, then we can determine how fast that rate of mm-hmm. shift is. Exactly. Like and, sound. It's and because uh, the universe is expanding at a certain rate, you're able to figure out, okay, because this galaxy has this particular redshift, mm-hmm. we know exactly how far away it is. Mm. Um, 
which means you need to understand what's called the Hubble's constant, uh, get a really good value for the Hubble's constant. And just math. You need to understand math. You do have to understand that. I'm just saying some math out there. It doesn't work for all galaxies. The Andromeda galaxy is heading towards us right now. But it's it close. Is. It's, it's in coming our... towards us, and guess what? It's not going away. No, in 5 billion years, it's, it's going gonna, gonna to hit us. It's going to bam, gonna, bam, bam, gonna bam, bam. We're going to merge. We're going to mm-hmm. do a little dance. We're going to do a dance. Yeah, we're going to do many, a dance for many, many, many millions. Many years. Uh, well, years. what we'll do is we'll swing past each other first, and then we'll merge. Well, yeah. It's a, so it's a dance. It's a dance. It's going to be a beautiful dance. We're going to dance. You can dance if you want to. You can leave those safety dance galaxies behind. <laughs> we can dance. You can galactic can dance. cannibalize or merge together. I don't know. Oh, meanwhile, when you were talking about one run away right drawer, so I was going run away every now and then. I'm just a little white dwarf stealing material from my binary partner. Oh, that's good. Run away. <laughs> That's actually really good. <laughs> All right. That's good. Uh, That's good times. I still don't know. I don't know. It's uh, how we understand things still. By the way, um, where is the Skittles? There are. <laughs> how do we measure stuff in space with Skittles? Do we I, want to say I, Skittles for the hangover? Uh, well, I did tell you. I didn't do any calculations. I thought you did calculations. I, I did one calculation that would tell you how many Skittles it is between um, here and Melbourne, Australia. Because Brandon asked. <laughs> All right. So, um, but then I was like, oh, my God. I didn't do any Skittle calculations. Um, but there are, um, oh, man, 1.3. 606 billion Skittles between here and Melbourne, Australia. So either we use light to measure the universe or we can taste the rainbow with Skittles. Exactly. And with that... Light is a rainbow. Light is a rainbow. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Skittles are light. Skittles are light. Skittles are the key to the universe. Or... We should be sponsored by Skittles. Are all, the, are all the gay haters haters not eating Skittles? <laughs> do they, do they, do they don't. Yeah. Do homophobes taste the rainbow? <laughs> I really want them to just just mm-hmm. because of these are the burning questions we ask on Cosmos for Cosmos. All right, um, <laughs> we will not be with you next week because we will be moving. We will be moving, and so this is not interfere with other plans that we have. Um, later in the summer, in particular with Katie's birthday and a NoFX concert that we're going to go see. Um, we are going to come back to you in three weeks. So on the 21st? On the 21st is when our next episode will be. It will be a high in the sky episode. Do we want to do like gay high in the sky then? Because that's going to be, that's going to go out in June, right? We'll have one in June. Okay. So, I mean, it's going to be mid-June, but that, that works. Yeah. So we'll, right. do, we'll, in June, we'll get gay in June. All right. <laughs> so, um, so we'll see everybody on May 21st, right? Is that what I just said? Because I, I put the calendar so. away and I already forgot. Hold on. I think it's May 21st. And May 21st. May yeah. 21st. Right, because Cinco I want to be eating these... Butter chocolate chip oh cookies. 
brown sugar and brown, chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, brown, brown butter. butter brown, brown butter, butter chocolate, chocolate chip, chip cookies. cookies. On uh, Memorial Day weekend, I don't want to be dealing, I don't want to be dealing with uh, uh, <laughs> this. Right, Cosmos or Cosmos. Well, no, because Katie's going to be at our house. All right, so anyway, now we'll cut kidding. all this out. This is all going to be cut out. So exactly. cheers, everybody. Okay. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Um, stick around because we are going to be having the hangover. Who knows what we're going to talk about. So we'll see everybody in a few minutes or we won't. Otherwise, bye.